Leslie had said he must be busy with the build-up. He could have told her, I'm the only cop they don't seem to need. Officers were being drafted in from all over. Fifteen hundred were coming from London alone. Yet Detective Inspector John Rebus seemed surplus to requirements. Someone had to man the ship. The very words DCI James McRae had used, with his acolyte smirking by his shoulder. D.I. Derek Starr reckoned himself the heir apparent to McRae's throne. One day, he'd be running Gayfield Square Police Station. John Rebus posed no threats whatsoever, not much more than a year away from retirement. Starr himself had said as much. Nobody'd blame you for coursing, John. It's what anyone your age would do. Maybe so. But the Stones were older than Rebus. Daltrey and Townsend were older than him too. Still playing. Still touring. The song was ending now, and Rebus rose to his feet again. He was alone in the chapel, took a final look at the purple velvet screen. Maybe the coffin was still behind it. Maybe it had already been moved to another part of the crematorium. He thought back to adolescence, two brothers in their shared bedroom, playing forty-fives, bought down Kirkcaldy High Street. My generation and substitute. Mickey asking about Daltrey's stutter in the former, Rebus saying he'd read somewhere that it was to do with drugs. The only drug the brothers had indulged in was alcohol, mouthfuls stolen from the bottles in the pantry, a can of sickly stout broken open and shared after lights out. Standing on Kirkcaldy Promenade, staring out to sea, and Mickey singing the words to I Can See For Miles. But could that really have happened? The record came out in 66 or 67, by which time Rebus was in the army. Must have been on a trip back. Yes. Mickey with his shoulder-length hair trying to copy Daltrey's look, and Rebus with his forces crop, inventing stories to make army life seem exciting. Northern Ireland still ahead of him. They'd been close back then. Rebus always sending letters and postcards. His father proud of him. Proud of both the boys. The spit of your mum. He stepped outside. The cigarette packet was already open in his hand. There were other smokers around him. They offered nods, shuffling their feet. The various wreaths and cards had been lined up next to the door and were being studied by the mourners. The usual words would crop up. Condolence and loss and sorrow. The family would be in our thoughts. Michael wouldn't be mentioned by name. Death brought its own set of protocols. The younger mourners were checking for text messages on their phones. Rebus dug his own out of his pocket and switched it on. Five missed calls, all from the same number. Rebus knew it from memory, pushed the buttons and raised the phone to his ear. Detective Sergeant Siobhan Clark was quick to answer. I've been trying you all morning, she complained. I had it switched off. Where are you anyway? Still in Kirkcaldy. There was an intake of breath. Hell, John, I completely forgot. Don't worry about it. He watched Kenny open the car door for Chrissy. Leslie was motioning to Rebus, letting him know that they were headed for the hotel. The car was a BMW. Kenny doing all right for himself as a mechanical engineer. He wasn't married, had a girlfriend. She hadn't been able to make it to the funeral. Leslie was divorced, her own son and daughter off on holiday with her dad. Rebus nodded at her as she got into the back of the car. I thought it was next week, Siobhan was saying. 
I take it you're phoning for a gloat. Rebus started walking towards his sab. Siobhan had been in Perthshire the past two days, accompanying Macrae on a recce of G8 security. Macrae was old pals with Tayside's assistant chief constable. All Macrae wanted was a nosy. His friend happy to oblige. The G8 leaders would meet at Glen Eagle's hotel on the outskirts of Ochterada. Nothing around them but acres of wilderness and miles of ring-fenced security. There had been plenty of scare stories in the media. Reports of 3,000 US Marines landing in Scotland to protect their president. Anarchist plots to block roads and bridges with hijacked trucks. Bob Geldof had demanded that a million demonstrators besiege Edinburgh. They would be housed, he said, in people's spare rooms, garages and gardens. Boats would be sent to France to pick up protesters. Groups with names like Yabasta...